When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? It is Ricky the Blue, the associate editor and Virginia Tech f- uh, football beat writer for TechSideline.com. Hope you all are doing well today. Uh, as always, we have Chris Coleman and Will Stewart here in the TSL studio, branded and everything. It's really nice in here. Uh, guys, how are we doing today, man? Doing well. How are you? We doing all right? Enjoy I'm doing this. good. I went to the gym yesterday, did some benches and some curls to get ready for the podcast. Does, does it make you feel more, you know, a little manly right now? Well, you got to be pumped up. Yeah, you know, you right. can't do a podcast unless you're pumped up. So, so, so you're feeling really good. Wow. You are. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if Will Stewart brings a little extra energy than normal. Uh, obviously, we want to talk about George Tech, but there are some other things I want to hit on. There was obviously some some big news this week concerning Khalil Pimpleton, Terrell Evans. We'll get into that, but first. Let's talk about this Georgia Tech game. Obviously, Tech loses 28-22, to mm-hmm. an odd score. Uh, Tech offense really never got going. Uh, they had six of those points were a, a pick six from Greg Stroman. Uh, they gave up that big run play early on, and it seemed like at that point you knew that Georgia Tech was in it, you know, at least at least going to be in it until the end. Um, Chris, at what point in that game – did you kind of think to yourself, man, I just don't know if we're going to pull this out? Actually, it was 21-9 to Georgia Tech, and I'm like, man, this game's over. <laughs> uh, and then Tech came back and took the lead. Yeah, and I'm like, so, man, we're actually going to pull this off. Nope. <laughs> yeah, so a big moment that didn't get talked about a lot in that game was it was 21-9, to and Georgia Tech ran a play down inside Virginia Tech's 10-yard line. And uh, if, if you read my stuff, you know that I wasn't in town for the game. I was uh, uh, traveling, so I was listening to this on the radio. When Georgia Tech ran, ran down inside the 10 with a 21-9 to lead, I turned the radio off. But uh, <laughs> they got they got flagged for, uh, I think, a chop block. And they missed the – Got moved that backwards. Was the, real quick, that was the only chop block well, they got flagged for. And I, and I specifically remember – I think it was two or three others that I remember seeing specifically that didn't wow. get called. So uh, I, you could argue it couldn't come at a better time. Yeah, because they ended up missing that field goal. They backed him up and they missed a field goal. What I what I heard is that on the previous play, Mahota went to one of the refs and said, "Dude, you got to watch these chop blocks. They're chopping me all the time. Watch it." And on the very next play, they called a chop block. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I I remember watching one where uh, Trayvon Hill was on the backside and he got hit from almost almost directly behind him and he got his legs taken out yeah. and next thing you know Trayvon's on the ground and he was hurting and I'm, I'm sitting there thinking to myself you know I know it's not in the the realm of the specific play but you have to look for that stuff because right. I mean that's what George Tech is taught to do and that's what they're coached to do and I wonder if that leads I, to any sort I, of I almost feel like the ACC should hire one special group of referees that for the Georgia Tech for, games, j- just just to do Georgia Tech games every week, and that are specially trained to to look for for blocking uh, for chop blocks and things like that up front. Because honestly, y- you know you're not going to flag Georgia Tech for holding very much, right? Because they don't do that type of blocking. Yeah, that's true. you could get them in pass blocking situations, maybe. Um, but but you have to. 
it's it's they're a tough offense to prepare for as a defense. They're also a tough offense to prepare for as an official because there's they have so many guys going in motion. So you have to you have to look for things like illegal motion, illegal shift, or two people in motion at the same time. Uh, even sometimes who's an eligible receiver and who's not. I mean, your head's kind of on a swivel if you're a referee. Uh, if you're if you're if you're doing a Georgia Tech game, so I almost feel like the the ACC should dedicate one group of officials to do Georgia Tech games, uh, and 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 that's it. Well, it, 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 it's ahead. odd. It's it's almost like you know, and I don't I don't want to uh, overstate it here, but it's almost like the league is protecting Georgia Tech by not properly officiating what they do and it's an odd thing because it's not like they're florida state or clemson or miami yeah you know, they're they're not they're one georgia of the blue tech. bloods yeah i'm not, I'm not going to insult georgia tech's athletic programs but they are not one of the high profile blue bloods they're not going to be a college football playoff team anytime soon i don't think you know so it's just kind of odd on a scale of one to ten how much do you guys hate the triple option or the the spread option the spread for, option for, is for georgia tech yeah I, you know, I don't. I can't say that I hate it. I, 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 what I like about college football is the uniqueness of of the game. Very it, unique. There, there's so many different offenses out there and uh, different defensive styles. And you know, when you turn on an NFL game, you, you know, all the offenses, you know, they, they kind of look the same. I mean, yeah. they're not, but but they kind of look that way if you're just watching the game for pure entertainment. But it's it's not like that in college at all. So, I really appreciate Georgia Tech's uniqueness. It's annoying to play against every year. I mean, that's for sure. But uh, I appreciate the uniqueness that it brings to college football. I think it's a lot more fun to watch when they have a decent outside option game, when they're using their A-backs and, yeah. and, and they have a good quarterback who can do that. And I always go back to in PJ's early years when they uh, went down to Georgia and beat Georgia. That was a lot of fun to watch. That, that was a set of players that he inherited that were actually really good at running that scheme. Uh, Nesbitt. Was the quarterback uh, Roddy uh, Jones was one of the A backs. Who was the running back that wound up in the NFL? Oh goodness, uh, that would have been Jonathan Dwyer. That's yeah, right, Dwyer. Dwyer. So they had a, they had a good group of guys, and they were actually fun to watch. Georgia Tech is something where I don't I don't like playing against it, but the rest of the year I like watching it, particularly if they're playing against an SEC team or something like that, and I'm, I'm rooting for them to win because it's not a conference game. One of the key takeaways from this game was the fact that Justin Fuente was chasing points really from the beginning. He mm-hmm. he passed up on a field goal attempt from inside the 10, I believe. Yeah. He passed up on two extra points for two two-point conversions, didn't convert either of those. Uh, Chris, how surprised were you, first of all, that, that he would do that? I don't think I was necessarily surprised, per se, because he had been going for it on, on fourth down some the previous couple of weeks. I... I and I understand where he's coming from, particularly against Georgia Tech. You're going to have a limited number of possessions in those games. Uh, your field goal kicker has has an injured hamstring and, and all that. So you're trying to capitalize on the few opportunities you're going to get in scoring position. I completely understand his line of thought, and he's not necessarily wrong. Now, that being said, I disagree. And I, I think when you know you're going to be in kind of a low-scoring game, uh, take the points. You have an opportunity to score point to score points. You have to take them, and and the and if he if he had taken those four points or five points or, or whatever it was early in the game, then on that last drive, they would have needed take, a field goal. all they would have needed was a field goal. So you don't necessarily have to throw those bombs down the sideline or into the end zone on, on on third and fourth down. You know you know you can try to work work it within field goal range, and and, and you know even if 
even if Tech hadn't picked up a first down there, it would have been a 47-yard field goal attempt for Joey Sly to win. Obviously not not, uh, not one great of, chances, not, but you have a chance. Not, yeah, I mean, he kicked a 50-yarder just the previous week against Miami. Um, I think he's in the like he's two for three from beyond fifty this year. I think. I mean, it's after it's, going over. Yeah, exactly. Ex- part of his career. Ex- exactly. So, I mean, it's not like it's an impossible chance uh, that he would make that kick. Uh, you know, again, and I don't know his health situation, but he kicked a fifty-yarder against Miami last week, a forty-one-yarder against Georgia Tech, and overall, he's made seven of his last eight field goal attempts. So, I, I would, I, I would think that would have a better chance than, you know throwing a fade along the sideline to Eric Kuma, which, quite frankly, that play call has not worked once all year, no matter who they're throwing it to. As smart as Justin Fuente is, it's possible that he just hasn't really learned how to coach against Georgia Tech That was what I wanted to hit on, because he he talked about in the week how when you play Georgia Tech, you have to prepare for a limited amount of possessions. Mm -hmm. And it, it almost felt like to me... That he was overstating that, and then he that he was getting way too aggressive and getting way too outside of his comfort zone, in in term that he was so nervous that the offense wouldn't get back down there that he said that he thought he had to score a touchdown every time, and that's just not realistic. Yeah, uh, but you know, the same time, you know, you can't count on pick sixes, right? Sure. So when throw out throw the pick six out, and Tech would have lost that game. You know, but instead of by by two touchdowns, right? So from that standpoint, you're Justin Fuente. You know, you you don't do things as a coach. Say, man, I think we're going to get a special teams touchdown. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to get a de- defensive touchdown, and I'm going to plan on that. Yeah. You know, so from that standpoint, their offense versus our offense. You know, when you think about it like that, even if he had taken the points, you know, and we hadn't got that pick six, Tech still would have lost. You know, by ten or eleven points, something like that. Um. So from that standpoint, he was probably right to do it, um, but but I still wouldn't chase points like that early, uh, e- even against even in a game like that. To to me, it looks like he's really lost confidence in his offense the last yeah. the last two or three weeks, and and um, he's he's reaching. You know, he's trying to find something that works. Uh, um, I would, I try some different things. You know, I'm I'm, I'm not going to tell Justin Fuente and Bracker Nelson what to do. They're way smarter than I am. But I actually kind of like that they're finally starting to integrate A.J. Bush in some. I think that's primarily due to the fact that Josh is pretty hurt and can't run very much right now at all. But, um, you know, they're, they're, they're clever guys. I think they can come up with some stuff. We haven't seen it yet. We need to see it soon because we're probably going to need it this weekend. I, uh, I want to make, make one more comment on that. You just said he's lost confidence in his offense, and I agree 100%. But isn't just this the weirdest situation you've ever seen? When you lose confidence in your offense, which makes you start going for it on fourth down all the time. That contradicts <laughs> itself. But it was the opposite against Miami where he, he focused on the run and he just basically ran up the right. middle a lot early. Uh-huh. You know, it, right. it, it took two different forms in the two different games. Right, it, it did. And uh, he was conservative against Miami, which I think was the right decision. They opened up more things against Georgia Tech. I mean, they were throwing the ball downfield and everything like that and going for fades. Throwing the, the Trayvon zone. out of the backfield. Throwing the Trayvon out of the backfield. Uh, it just didn't work. <laughs> I mean, every, every, yeah, anything, anything they're trying right now is not working. There were two, there were really two play calls that fans had issues with. It was the third and fourth and one on the final drive. The third down was obviously the sideline fade to Eric Kuma, which wasn't which didn't work. And then Josh Jackson barely missed Cam Phillips down there in the end zone. If if that ball is a foot and a half further, we're we're having a completely different discussion right now. 
Um, personally, I, I didn't really have an issue with the 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 call to Cam. I, did, I had an issue with the timing of it. Uh-huh. I think that should have been the third down play. the third down yeah. call. But to me, I've always thought that if you have a third and short situation and you know you're going for it on fourth down, why don't you run the ball on third down? Right, and that way you you have two chances to uh, to pick up a yard. You can get yeah. a half yard each time. Exactly, and you know it's not like Tech's running game is great. But by any but stretch any, of the imagination, anyone can get a half a yard and or a yard and one and two plays. If there was ever a time to put in AJ Bush, that would be you know, the 220, time to do it. 230 pound AJ Bush and and run him right behind Wyatt Teller. That would have been the time to do. Yeah. So, so you can you can argue the the play the play calls you know based on the ability of the of the players and all that. But really, I think part of what's going on here is this triggered some deeply felt stuff in Virginia Tech fans. Uh, the comments I saw about those two play calls, you know, they weren't phrased this way, but they were positive, positively Stein-Springian <laughs> to call that. And, That's and a what great the, adjective right well, there. Well, that triggers the memory of, and I'll give you a couple, the 2007 Boston College game when all Virginia Tech needed to do was burn clock at the end. And they didn't. And BC baited Tech into throwing deep into the end zone. Of course, it was incomplete and the clock stopped, and we all know how that one ended up. You go back to the 2010 Boise State game when Virginia Tech needed to move the football in their next-to-last possession and their last possession, and they got baited into chucking it deep, low-percentage plays. These were the kind of things that happened in a Brian Steinspring offense, and who nobody thought you'd see this kind of thing in a, in a Justin Fuente, you know, Brad Cornelson offense, and there it was, and I think it just kind of – scraped that layer off of people's brains where they'd forgotten that stuff and they warped out. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. And and it's kind of like a few years ago, and I think I remember writing in articles when Tech's offense was struggling, saying, what do you do if you're Scott Leffler when you don't – when you literally there's no strength on this team to fall back on? You know, some teams might have a weakness in the past so that they focus on the run. Maybe you don't have a running quarterback, but you got a really good tailback. Maybe you don't have much of a running game, but you got big receivers who can go up and get the ball. Most teams, there's there's some kind of strength that they can fall there's back something. on. Right. Yeah. What is Virginia Tech's strength offensively? That's a great question. They don't have one. Yeah. They do not have one. So it puts this huge burden on the coaches to be extremely clever and you know, that that's just really hard to do. Right, um, especially at this point in the season. I mean, it's like we talk about every year. You know, the first four or five games is about coaching. Uh, and then after that, all the film is out. People know the players' strengths and weaknesses, everything like that. Um, and it's just uh, it's completely different. I mean, it's it's about execution and it's about talent now, and, and there's not as much coaches can do from a game plan. And, and guys who could ordinarily make plays, you can tell they're not 100%. You can right. tell Josh Jackson in 100% and, and Cam Phillips in 100%. He, he has you know? not looked and, 100%. And he's a, these are the two guys that need to make plays for him, and yeah. they're, they're not healthy. Chris, to walk me through the emotional swing in this sequence right here, Greg Stroman picks that pass off, <laughs> runs it back into the end zone for a touchdown. Virginia Tech takes the lead. Kickoff, fumble, Georgia Tech recovers. Yes. Ball's rolling free. Sean yeah. Hills camp closes in on it. Yeah. 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 And, you're, and you're going crazy, aren't and you? And then immediately after that, I think it was Ricky June who, who got over the top <laughs> for an 80-yard touchdown pass. Man, you know. So you Is go that from, an emotional roller coaster or what? You, you go from uh, down twenty-one to nine, and ninety percent convinced you're going to lose. To oh my god, 
you know, we've we're actually winning. This is going to happen. Twenty-two, yeah, twenty-one. So, so, let me, so let me jump in here. Let's go back to the sequence we just talked about. You're down twenty-one to nine, and they just ran down inside your ten-yard line. Mm-hmm. That moment in time, versus the moment in time when when uh, whoever it was, can't remember who it was for George Tech, muffed that kickoff, and it was rolling free. Yeah. That that was a really good sequence from twenty one to nine to twenty two to twenty one with the ball rolling free. Yeah, it really was. And at that point, Georgia Tech they had hit one big running play and one big passing play the whole game, and that was kind of it. Right, exactly. Other that, than those two plays, the offense had not really, um, really done a ton. Te- I mean, they, they 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 had you know some nice runs and you know terms of eight, nine yards, but they weren't getting those chunk plays that they thrive off of. You're right, they weren't. And, and Tech's defense was doing a good job against the run. And at that point, Georgia Tech had only completed one pass the whole game, and their quarterback only completes 41% of his passes for the season. You know, it's things were in Virginia Tech's favor right there. So, yeah, it was a big emotional swing. And, that, and the, the fans that were at Bobby Dodd for the Tech fans, which was a noticeably large contingent. Uh, they yeah, were, it was like 60-40 yeah. probably. They were – well, I mean, it, well, yeah, in terms Seemed of like, like Georgia Tech to Tech yeah, fans, yeah. but uh, but yeah, I mean, they were they were really loud in that, yeah, in that sequence. I feel bad for all of them that went down there. And, and you know, last week we sat here and talked about the Miami game, and we said if you had told us that Miami would throw three picks and Virginia Tech would run seventy five plays to Miami's fifty eight, we're yeah. sitting here talking about talking man, about how many touchdowns did Tech win by? And this time around, you get a pick six, Georgia Tech. Drops a punt snap, so in effect, it's like a twenty-yard sack. And fumbles Virginia a Tech takes return. over, uh, and Georgia Tech fumbles a fumble, punt, fumbles a kickoff. kickoff return. I mean, the punt return, the Tech guy rolled over on the ball. Virginia Tech guy rolled over the ball and easily could have recovered. And and Virginia Tech did not score a touchdown or any points at all off those three special teams mistakes. So if you you told me Georgia Tech would make three huge special teams blunders. And Virginia Tech would get a pick six. I would have been like, "Oh man, that's exactly what we need." You know, we're we're gonna go down there and and, and win this one. You know, we're not gonna blow them out. We'll probably win the game by ten points, thirteen yeah. points, something like that. And it's it's like the exact opposite of the North Carolina game where yeah. everything, everything went Virginia Tech's way. The offense wasn't that great that day, yeah. but everything else went Virginia Tech's way. Yeah. And that's part of what needs to happen here against Pitt and UVA in the last two games. That. Um, the good fortune, the sheer luck aspect of it needs to turn back Virginia Tech's way. Yeah. The worst thing about that game at, at Bobby Dodd Stadium, the outdoor press box. Oh, that was absolutely dreadful. I was in uh, I was in the middle of the press box. It was a pretty brisk day overall. Yeah. And it was windy. Yeah. And that outdoor press box turned into a wind tunnel for just about four hours and it, it was pretty dreadful. Uh, Tech has lost three out of four to to Paul Johnson and the Yellow Jackets. Mm-hmm. You know, it has just... to give. I mean, look, I, I I've been I've been very critical of PJ for a long time now, thinking that or telling people that he's really capping his program, and he has, and, and he is. But they've beaten Tech three out of the last four years. Well, Virginia Tech's talent has dropped off. I, I mean, you you go back to you know you go back to the 2011 game. When you've got Logan Thomas running quarterback sneaks for 15, 16 yards on Georgia Tech <laughs> right up the middle. And, you know, they just could not handle Virginia Tech back then. Virginia Tech had better players. Uh, David Wilson was, was phenomenal that he night. He was phenomenal too. that night. Uh, um, 2010, he returned a kickoff for a touchdown. Um, the, the, the Kyle Fuller game where they were lining him, all, him up all over the field and he was just jumping over the Georgia Tech yeah, offensive line and making tackles for loss. And, you know, as we've talked about, Many times, Virginia Tech's recruiting dropped off in the last four years or so of the Beamer era, and 
that's what you get. I mean, when we played that game on Saturday, did it feel like Virginia Tech had a talent advantage over Georgia Tech? It didn't to me. No. I no. mean, didn't didn't look like it to me at all. No, Virginia Tech's tailbacks can't break a tackle. Uh, the two, you know, the, their their best quarterback and their best wide receiver are hurt. Um, they, they don't have any receivers who can catch jump balls, and they used to do stuff like that routinely against Georgia Tech. I mean, I'll give you an example. Virginia Tech's longest run of the year was the 46-yard run by Josh Jackson against West Virginia. If you take out sacks, Josh Jackson leads Virginia Tech. If you or, let me let me rephrase that. If you take out sacks and Coleman Fox, <laughs> Josh Jackson leads Virginia Tech in yards per carry this year. On a on traditional running plays. You know he's been Virginia Tech's best runner, which is kind of sad because he's he's an average runner. He's yeah. not a, he's not a bad runner, but he's not a great runner either. So how productive are Virginia Tech's tailbacks? Not productive. Well, you know, I sit here and make up the roster cards for us, and part of those roster cards are stats. And every week I'm typing in the Tech's leading rushers average four point something a rush, and the other team's leading rushers average five point something a rush or more. Yeah, and it's it gets depressing I, after a while. Yeah, you know. Uh, I watched the game on TV on Saturday, and at the beginning of the game, you, you know, the ACC Network does their players to watch, and the players to watch for Virginia Tech on offense were uh, Sean Savoy and Trayvon McMillan, and for the stat for Trayvon McMillan, it says, leads Virginia Tech in rushing at 45 yards per game, and I'm like, that's almost embarrassing, man. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's go ahead and move on and, and put a bow on that Georgia Tech game. Obviously, on Sunday, the news that came out was that Khalil Pimpleton, freshman wide receiver from Michigan, was leaving the team. He's left the team. He's no longer practicing with Virginia Tech football. He plans on transferring after this fall season. Um, Will, or, or how disappointed are you just to see not only that uh, he's leaving the program, but that he couldn't even get a year? Well, it's disappointing because uh, he, he was a big Virginia Tech proponent once he committed and signed. You know, he was he was really great on social media and seemed really excited about coming here. Uh, I think for us, you know, at the, you know, you guys follow this stuff more closely than I do. We started hearing that he couldn't catch the ball consistently, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's a problem not just with him, as you know, yeah. but, but some, some of the other receivers. And um, it, I, I think that uh, he's not getting any playing time with the current situation. Um, and there's just more guys coming in next year. You know, there are going to be some outside receivers coming in. That's going to push more guys down into the slot. Um, and I think he just didn't see play in time coming. Khalil Pimpleton played running back and quarterback at high school for Muskegon, and he was a pretty explosive player at that position yeah. in their offense. Yeah, he, and he, he, you know, he, he won some postseason awards. Yeah, for, yeah, and he was the scout team quarterback for Virginia Tech the last week. Right. Uh, for Taquan Marshall, he kind of fits the similar build. He played in a somewhat similar style offense, not exactly similar, but uh, Chris, are are you? This is kind of the, the the big question I wanted to hit on because of Khalil leaving. Are you guys worried at all that there is a section of the team that is just kind of mailing it in at this point? You don't have a coastal division to fight for. You've lost two in a row. You're playing a Pittsburgh team that, let's be honest, most of this team didn't really grow up with any animosity towards Pittsburgh. Um, you've got UVA next week, which is probably the, the game you're going to get up the most for these last two. Are you kind of worried at all about guys just kind of, you know, mailing it in? I don't think so. I mean, uh, I mean, they got senior day coming up. That's a big day. They got a choice. They can spend a week in December in, in El Paso, Texas, or, or they can Florida. spend a week in, in December in Orlando. 
I mean, big difference. Uh, the bottom line is a football player, you should enjoy playing football. I mean, you get one chance in your life to play college football and, and yeah, I don't, I don't think that they're mailing it in. Um, I, I, I do think there's a, particularly amongst younger people, maybe starting at my generation to the younger generation these days, that if you're not winning championships, nothing else matters. I've got a buddy that runs a uh, tech merchandise uh, store in Blacksburg, and he texted me mad yesterday because there was a student came into the store, and, and they were talking, and the student's like, oh, we don't have anything to play for now. We can't win. We can't go to the ACC title game, so there's no point. What do you want them to do? Cancel the games? I mean, should they can't should they cancel every game if, if there's not a championship involved anymore? Whip Babcock I mean, doesn't want to do that because he needs that he extra yeah, two million the, plus he, right, that he it, can clear for this it, game. It, it, exactly. So and and a lot of people. I mean, honestly, after the Miami game, the, the girl I have season tickets with, she texted me the same thing. We were talking back and forth. She's like, well, "We don't, we don't." What, what doesn't matter anymore. We can't win the coastal. I'm like, are you kidding? We can yeah. win, you know, we can win 10 games. There's a lot to play for. We can finish in the top 25. Uh, I mean, we can continue to build the program back up. Um, you don't have to win the, the coastal division and play for the ACC championship to continue to make strides as a program. Um, getting that ranking next to the name again will be, will be important. I mean, I, I know that we've talked about this kind of just in the office here, but, um, you know, having that number next to your name matters. Yeah. No matter what the number is, even if it's 25, that number, seeing a number next to your school every single week, that matters. Being able to go into and tell people like Dax Hollyfield or KJ Henry that, hey, we've won 10 games back-to-back years yeah. and we lost a ton of talent after year one, um, you know, being able to tell guys those things helps your program a lot, and it really helps you get back to where you want to go. I remember – you know, back in the 90s and 2000s, on the rare occasion that Virginia Tech dropped out of the top 25, I was embarrassed. <laughs> like, I was embarrassed in 2002 and 2003 at the end of those seasons when we didn't have a number next to our 2003 game. was rough because that was the year that uh, Tech punked Miami in Lane Stadium, and then it just kind of – And then tanked. They got up to – I think they got up to, what, number three in the country? In, in, Something in, like that. In, in 2003. They were, they were number, they were number three when, when WVU beat them. And I think know. they got up to like – I think they got up to number two in 2002 when Pitt beat them in Lane Stadium. For uh, first so, loss. Yeah. 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 So they got up – you know, they were national title contenders – uh, I, I say that with Eric. They, they were, they were uh, in yeah. the picture. They were in the picture in the for the discussion. national. Now, they weren't going to win the national title because in hindsight, they just weren't good enough. Yeah. But when you get up to, to rank second or third in the country and then within a month later, you're not ranked. I mean, that that's it. That was an, I was I remember being very embarrassed and I'm not embarrassed that Virginia Tech isn't ranked right now or in the few weeks they weren't ranked last year. Because, you know, basically, let's face it, we went spent four straight years without being in the rankings, so we don't have that benefit uh, of the doubt right now. Plus, you're kind of used to being unranked at this point, which is sad. But mm-hmm. you want to get back to the point where you're embarrassed again when you're not ranked. There, you know, you look around college football, and the I don't have a lot of historical knowledge, 70s, 80s, and things like that. But um, it just seems to me that fan bases are quick to disengage when a team starts starts losing. Yeah, um, definitely. East Carolina's got a good fan base, and their their stadium is hugely empty for a lot of their games these days. They were they were good. They, they showed out for the Tech game, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. Uh, I haven't watched an ECU game after that, to be perfectly honest. So I 
Couldn't, yeah, uh, so it's the, I think their defense has gotten better. I think they're in the top 90 now. <laughs> Man. Kerry's so, Cross defense has been so bad. So I don't, I don't know. It's it's uh there's a there's a lot of factors at work here and and you know saying one thing about it doesn't mean that's the most important thing, but the the all or nothing mentality. You know, some of that is fed into by how the media covers things. Yes. Um, and how you, you get these constant discussions of who's going to make, I mean, ESPN starts early. Who's, who's, who's your four playoff teams, you know, and they start that stuff even before the college football playoff rankings come out. It's a silly discussion at that point. Uh, but that's yep. where, that's where they immediately go to and that's where they focus on. And that's part of, and, and actually this started with the BCS when the BCS started in the late nineties, focus, uh, focused on pitting number one against number two suddenly that dominated the discussion, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and then some of it is also your particular evolution as a program. Yes. We all freaked out when we went to the 93 independence bowl, you know, there were only 19 bowl games back then and tech hadn't been to a bowl since 1986, if I'm remembering things correctly, but the higher your program achieves, uh, it's 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 a really bad comparison, but it's almost like an addiction. Like, oh, that's great. Oh, that's great. I got high off that. Now I need more. I need more. I need more. I need more. You know, yeah. it's it's hard to just kind of just kind of lay back and watch them and, and take the slow play, as I like to say, and watch the program improve. You know, at, at the end of the '94 season, the beginning of the '95 season, Virginia Tech lost five out of six games. They got smacked around at the end of the '94 season. Then they lost their first two games at the beginning of the 95 season. This stuff happens. You know, it's all part of the journey of a program. Mm-hmm. It's hard to sit there and watch it, but, you know, it's all part of what happens to programs. So, you know, segueing into discussing this weekend's game, you know, Virginia Tech's in a really tough spot. They've lost a lot of players to injury. The guys they are playing are hurt and aren't maximum um, effectiveness. Yeah, they could lose this. And, yes, I'm sorry, they could also lose to Virginia. That doesn't mean you got to just give up on the program. It's just they're in a really bad spot right now. Yeah, Notre Dame's lost two games, which is just one fewer than Virginia Tech. They just got knocked out of the playoff race. Does Notre Dame not have anything to play for? Should, should Notre Dame just not to mention? Should the fans just check out the rest of the season and quit no, watching? Not to mention Notre Dame was four and eight last year. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. And here's the thing. It, you know, you you sit here and you look at these bowl projections and everything like that. And if Virginia Tech wins their next two football games, they'll be nine and three. And probably either go into the Citrus Bowl or, or the, the Taxlayer Bowl in Jacksonville, or, or, or the other Orlando Bowl. You, you know, I mean, I actually think as far as Florida Bowl games go, Taxlayer is your worst case scenario. Um, if you went out, you're probably going to Florida, and if you go to the Citrus Bowl, you're going to play an SEC team, a major SEC team in the Citrus Bowl, or maybe you can go to El Paso and play Arizona. You Ooh. know, right, 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 right. <laughs> Exactly. Which try to that, corral that running quarterback of theirs. Exactly. Good luck with that. And I, I would much, I, th- I would much rather go to Florida because for number one, that's a better trip for the players. It's a better trip for the fans. I would trust us to be up and motivated for an SEC opponent in Florida than flying halfway across the country. <laughs> and to you know, I remember one time watching Miami Notre Dame in the Sun Bowl, and the Miami players were so you know, you know, not into that game that they were having a snowball fight on the sideline. Yeah. During the bowl game, while Notre Dame was crushing them, <laughs> you know, so that's what you get in the Sun Bowl. You're going to go over there and play a team against Arizona that you know nothing about, that you care nothing about, and guess what? I think Tech would lose to Arizona or whoever, you know, because it's just 
a team you're not familiar with in a cold area, as opposed to going to Florida and maybe playing an SEC team uh, in a prestigious bowl game like the Citrus Bowl. I mean, my goodness, growing up, man, Citrus Bowl was one of those New Year's Day bowls that you always wanted to watch. Yeah. The best thing about going to the Sun Bowl would see would be seeing a similar gif of Justin Fuente and his sombrero dancing around like we saw Frank Beamer. I don't in think you will see Justin Fuente dancing around in a sombrero <laughs> anytime soon. Let's go ahead and move on from that. I do want to start to segue into this week's game against Pittsburgh, but before we do that, we do have to talk about Terrell Edmonds. Uh, it was announced on Tuesday after the press availability on Tuesday. Uh, that uh, Terrell is done for the year. He had shoulder surgery early Tuesday morning, apparently, on his left shoulder. We don't know the specific injury that they were trying to correct there. Um, there's obviously a litany of shoulder issues that could be trying to be corrected. Um, but he, we know that he was, he's was he been playing hurt basically all season at this point. Um, so the rumor came out. Yes. You guys in the press asked the coaches about it. Yes. And, and, what, and what did they say? Okay, so we asked Bud because Bud was the only coach that is usually available on Tuesdays, Bud Foster. And Bud said that Terrell had been indeed dealing with some stuff uh, this year, but declined to say anything further. And then the press opportunity later. ended, and yes. then they announce it. Yes. <laughs> and you don't get to say, hey, Bud, who are you going to play? How are you going to handle this? Yeah. Which they – which they did anyway on the Justin Fuente teleconference on Wednesday. So that was just really weird timing by, by Virginia Tech. I mean, if you want to avoid the media questions, then you don't even you don't announce until after Wednesday's teleconference. Yeah. I think it got to the point where they had to announce it just because so many people already kind of knew. Yeah. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. I mean, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but people like myself, people like you guys, people like Andy Bitter – People like Norm Wood, Mike Barber. We know people in the program. Right. We know people who can talk about these things off the record. So we're going to find out about these things. And we also found out about apparently Mook Reynolds is dealing with some sort of hip injury, although Virginia Tech won't comment on that. Um, but we know when these things are going on. So it gets to the point where you just want them to just be open about it. We already know it's going to be out there. It's on every single message board in the interwebs. Just, just talk about it. But anyway, let's well, not... as writers and fans, we want to know. Okay, who are you going to play there? Because we want to yeah, kind of analyze exactly. that. How's that going to work? So we had to write our previews if Khalil Adler is going to play free safety. We don't know if he is or not. Yeah, you know. So he's number two on the depth chart. So officially, he's the number one. <laughs> the free depth safety chart that hadn't been updated since the beginning of the season. Exactly. So, but you know, they could also move Mook Reynolds there exactly. and then start Deion Newsom. Yeah, well, so you know, I wonder also with Pittsburgh being more of a physical team. I wonder if we could see Mook go to free safety and then see a platoon of sorts with Anthony Chagog and mm -hmm. Dion Newsom at that whip spot yeah. and see Chagog maybe filling the more traditional whip role, what we saw you know, several years ago, mm -hmm. um, and then bringing in Dion Newsom, maybe some more obvious passing situations because Chagog played a really good game against Georgia Tech. Chagog is a really good player. I, you know, I wish it was 10 to 15 years ago where he could get on the field a lot more. Could, could he be a James Anderson type? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I mean, think he's, he's not as freaky athletic as not James many Anderson. Are. As not many people are. But, I mean, I think he's a good football player. I think he's got a good good IQ. I think he can really tackle in the running game. I wonder if he's space. somebody who might be a better NFL player than he was a college player. Uh, he Not saying that yeah. Chicago will ever be a starter or that he'll ever be a regular contributor. But he might be a guy that catches on for to a roster for a couple yeah, of years. Well, you know, it depends on – 
what position he 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 would play. What is he? He's two twenty five to two thirty. He would have to be in some kind of outside linebacker role, I would think. He could play in a four three outside linebacker, right? Right, and play special and teams play, and, and, and make his living on special right. teams. Um, thing is, you just don't see guys who were career backups in college get shots in the NFL. Sure, Poor career backups at Virginia Tech. Right, right. That happens a uh, few and far between. Will out of all of those replacement options we've talked about, which one kind of intrigues you the most? Which one would you rather see? Uh, I'm I'm not very good at this kind of stuff. Um, I don't want to see any of them. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, if Ladler winds up playing free safety due to the uh, inexperience, if I'm Pitt, I go right after him. I know I know throwing the ball down the field isn't their thing, but it sure could be Saturday. I, know, I, um, well, go ahead, finish. I don't know what else I can add to that. Though. Well, I'd go after whoever was there. Yeah. I'd go after Terrell if he was there because he hadn't been great or in go coverage after, all Go year. after Mook. And go if after Mook's Mook. back there, he's, he's dealing with a hip injury. Here's the thing about – exactly. And here's the thing about Mook. Mook is, is an elite-level whip nickel for Virginia Tech. But, you know, last week it was Chicago playing that role. When Mook was in the game, they had him back at safety. He got burned. He wasn't playing safety. I think it was it was more Rover. I think they were uh, flipping him and, uh, and, and Reggie Floyd in that role. But – Mook got burned in a safety position last yeah. week when he moved from the position he's used to used to playing. So, you know, I, I just I don't like any of Virginia Tech's options right now. Now, the healthiest option is lot is Ladler. But can he get the defense lined up properly? Can and, he make the right protection and, calls? Right, and he's 180 pounds, and and you know you have run fit responsibilities as a safety, and Pitt has 220 230 pound running backs, so you, you don't know if that's a great matchup or not, but. From a pure man coverage standpoint, I might trust Ladler right now more than I would trust the other two. I mean, Edmonds Edmonds is too big to cover slot receivers, and you saw what happened to Mook when he was playing in a safety position last week, plus the fact that he's hurt. I, I don't know. I, I don't think there's an easy answer. So Ladler's the guy, if he was in the right place, he's probably healthier than everybody else. Yeah. You know, so from that standpoint, that'd be good, but you, you got to trust him to be in the right place. Yeah. Does this injury kind of – I don't want to say guarantee, but does it make it almost um, a sure bet at this point that Terrell Edmonds will come back for his last year? I don't I don't see how you go to the NFL coming off shoulder surgery. I, especially this late in the especially season. Especially this late in the season. I'm sure he'd be okay to go to the Combine, but – you, you know maybe the combines in april yeah it's in it's in april but even if you do go to the combine you know you can run and stuff like that but you're not going to be able to lift that soon uh, are you going to be able any, to participate in drills yeah exactly uh things like that um because if he, if, you know i doubt he'll be able to go through spring ball for virginia tech uh so i really doubt he'd be able to do much at the combine and 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 just the way he's looked this year playing a different position he hasn't been as good and now so his stock was going to drop even if he was healthy. And now you're hurt on top of that? Ah, uh, nah, come on back for your senior year, Terrell. I don't, I don't think that'd be a very good decision. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, next year, I think the offense is going to change, I hope, a lot. Uh, they'll have some options at outside receiver that they'll work in and, and see how they do. Uh, some freshmen, some guys who are redshirting right now or who aren't eligible. But I do think that the offense is uh, is is just going to begin next year the journey on where they want to be. You know, last year you had you had uh, Bucky, you had Isaiah, you plugged in Gerard, and they looked pretty good. And of course, you had Sam Rogers. This year, you can see that they're they need some things that aren't there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think a solution is going to show up at running back overnight. 
But I think things will change at the receiver position. Might get a little better at the tight end position, we hope. they got to break in some new offensive linemen. And what I'm building up to is I'd really like to see everybody in on the tech defense who's thinking about going pro, don't do it. Yeah. You know, come back. Particularly from a Virginia, Virginia Tech perspective, they need those guys. I, um, I know Fuente is not this type of coach. Because go back to when he first got here and Bucky was trying to decide whether to leave for the NFL after his sophomore year. And Fuente's like, I'm not going to try to talk him into staying. I'm going to present the information to him and, and yeah. tell him here's the type of offense you were going to run and here's how you'd fit in. You know, Fuente is, is not the type – to, to try to, to beg guys to come back to the NFL. In this situation, though, if I were him, and I wouldn't beg, I'd just say, I'd sit him down and say, look, look at the guys who declared for the draft last year. Evans didn't get drafted. Bucky got drafted late and isn't even and on I, a team right now. And Isaiah, got and Isaiah got, was drafted like fifth from the bottom. And it's a bad decision for all those guys to go pro, honestly, in hindsight. Don't make the same mistake those guys did. Because some people were sitting here saying Bucky was a first-round pick. Guess what? He was a six-round pick, and now he's not playing. Now, I would have handled the Bucky situation differently. Um, I would have sat that guy down and said, Look, Bucky, when you catch the ball, you fall down on the ground every time you catch it. You can't stay on your feet. You know, NFL players stay on their feet when they catch the football. <laughs> you've, you, you, you've broken Come like, back one tackle. and learn how to stay yes, on your feet. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, Is that something he's going to learn at this point? I don't know, but, you know, you, you could try. You know, it's it's easier to learn it in college than it is on a practice squad, or excuse me, not even on a practice squad at all. I mean, what's he doing now? What's they're they're going to cut you quick. They're going to cut you quick. Yeah. I really wish we had video of this right, podcast listen, right listen. now because I am rolling in my chair. Let's stop beating up Bucky. Yeah, Let's stop beating yeah. up Bucky, but I'm using Bucky as an example <laughs> of what not to do. I mean, I, I would use his example and Gerard's example and, and tell these guys, look, Listen, you know, I got teenage kids. They're invincible. They can do no wrong. They can make no mistakes. Sure. You right. can talk to them all you want to. You can talk. <laughs> right, right. You, I know. I know. You can sit down and say that stuff to Tim Settle. Tim, you've come a long way, my man. You've really changed your body. You need at least another year. Long story and short. Tim will be like, I'm not Bucky. I'm not Isaiah. I'm Tim. Long story right. Long story short, Chris definitely wants those guys to come back for next year. Well, no, wait. You, you could lose Settle. You could lose Tremaine Edmonds. You could lose Terrell Edmonds. And Greg Stroman's going at the same Adonis time. Adonis Alexander technically could go as well. He won't. He shouldn't. Oh, he won't. Yeah. I, I mean, it's another thing to say he shouldn't, but he right. could. He could. He could. Here's what I want. We <laughs> oh, were t- my goodness. We were, we, all right, so this is another tangent, but we were talking about this in the office this morning. All right. I want Terrell to come back so Terrell can move back to Rover. Yeah. Uh, Divine Diablo can start at free safety, where, yeah. quite frankly, he, he looked better than Terrell this year. Terrell can go yeah. back to his more natural position. Ladler can back up at free safety. Devin Hunter can back up at Rover. You can move Reggie Floyd to running back. I want Reggie Floyd at running back. I, now give some context here. Reggie was a running back. <laughs> Reggie was a running back in high school and was a good running back in high school. I even wrote in his scouting report when he signed to Virginia Tech, I said, I said they're going to play him at safety. I want to look at him at running back because he's a big guy, looks like he can break tackles, things like that. Look how many tackles he broke in his two interception returns this year. And granted, they're offensive players trying to tackle him. I'm so tired of not having a running game. I, you know, as far as I'm concerned, if you get those four guys that I just mentioned to the two safety spots next year. Do it, Coach. Do it. Move it. Uh, yeah, yeah, do yeah. it. I mean, Chris Coleman was in here this morning talking about how um, Virginia Tech needs to take all of their athletes, all of their running backs, all the corners, and try them out at running back to see if anybody can you break You've got to get some production from that position, man. 
I mean, you and do. I, I know it's, it's easy to blame the offensive line, and I know that they're not great, but Virginia Tech's offensive line in 2006 stunk, and Brandon Orr rushed for over 1,000 yards. Point Virginia eight. Tech's offensive line in 2008 was not good, and Darren Evans rushed for over 1,000 yards. Fuente, talked, he's talked about several times this year how they're, they are getting guys to the, quote, unblocked hat, which is which is what Fuente talks about, how you, you, there's always one defender yeah, on every play that you're miss. never going to block. You're, yeah, you, you can't you gotta, get to you got to make one guy So he's miss. the unblocked hat. Mm-hmm. Fuente's talked about how they've gotten the, the, the ball to the unblocked hat on several occasions, and it's not going anywhere. I mean, uh, exactly. And, and Brandon Orr used to make the unblocked hat you know, miss in the backfield all the time and then yeah, run through his vacated step. hole for, for 10 yards. Uh, Darren Evans would get the ball on the outside against Maryland and just run over the unblocked hat. Uh, and, <laughs> Ryan Williams would drag the unblocked hat down the, the sideline. <laughs> exactly. And, 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 uh, and you know, what we saw earlier this year, Josh Jackson has the Virginia Tech's longest run of the season at 46 yards. And I go back to that first play against Miami when that play was blocked perfectly. Yeah. Trayvon McMillan has perfect vision on the play. It's a 12-yard game. He's 12 yards. There's one man standing between him and Virginia Tech's longest run of the season, and that man just brings him down. Yeah. Ryan yeah. Williams is gone. David Wilson is gone. I mean, we got to have some dudes, man. <laughs> Let's go ahead and talk about the Pittsburgh Panthers, who obviously have really taken a step back this year. I believe they're 4-6 and six right now in the season. Uh, last year, they, they were definitely a little bit more competitive. They had Nathan Peterman at quarterback. Um, they, they had, uh, I believe, obviously James Conner was still there. I feel like they had some more options on defense. And they just haven't been the same team this year, but they do still have some concerns that Virginia Tech is going to have to worry about. One of those will be the running game for Pittsburgh. I mean, it feels like Pittsburgh's always got a good running game. I know uh, Narduzzi loves big, powerful backs. He's got uh, Darren Hall, I believe is his name, and then uh, Quadri Olison at running back. Both of those guys are big boys. Now, yeah. Darren Hall's a dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> As Scott Leffler would say. Uh, Chris, how worried are you about those guys, especially in, in the terms of Tech's defense is a little beat up. We saw Trayvon Hill was a little banged up. Yeah. Tim Settle was a little banged up against Georgia Tech. How worried are you about those two backs? Oh, I'm worried. I mean, if, if, I, if I'm Pitt and I see that Virginia Tech had a couple of starting defensive linemen limping off the field and Pitt's specialty is the running game, they've got Quadri Ellison. Allison. Yeah, it's either Olison or Allison. Allison, Yeah, uh, whatever. It's an O. He's a guy who rushed for 119 yards against Virginia Tech in Lane Stadium two years ago. No matter how his name pronounced, that's the most important (laughs) thing, right? Uh, That was more offense than Tech had. Tech had 100 yards of offense. He had 119 yards. That was was one of the worst football games I've ever seen (laughs) in in, in anything. High school. Pro college doesn't matter. And I think everybody had a feeling that that was going to be a bad game because it was heat. rainy. I couldn't get anybody to go to the game. It was with like me. 20 degrees outside. It, was, it wasn't even snowing. It was there was only sleet. like 40,000 people there. Yeah, the Enter Sandman was a there joke. There was nobody sitting in my entire row. There was nobody <laughs> sitting in the entire row behind me, and there was three people sitting in the row in front of me. Mm. Uh, what was, was the a, final score of that game? 13-10? I don't even remember. 17-10. Brendan Motley got sacked. I think it was 17-13. Brendan Motley got sacked like eight times. Yeah, yeah. And, it was ugly. And it was a bad look at the end of the game when he was just getting decked by the pit defense. And, and, and the nobody, offensive line wasn't even what, going what to help him wasn't up. Wasn't even helping him up. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, you, you don't see that from, from this year's team. And uh, I think uh, – I, I, so I don't, I, I don't get the – 
sense that this team is going to pack it in or anything like that. And the 2015 team di- didn't pack it in. It was a bad moment for them, but they came back the next week and beat in state. Will, are you pulling it up on your phone? Man, that was 17-13, and that was only the fifth game of the season. I thought it was later in the season nah. than that. That, no, was the that, week, that was early October. That, that was the game. After that game, Beamer came out and said, man, we got to start playing our best players on offense. And, and then and – then, uh, Trayvon had Trayvon uh, started taking over. <laughs> what, what Frank was really saying was, Shane, you need to play Trayvon. More. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and Trayvon ended up being a thousand yard rusher for Virginia Tech, starting with that next game. Starting he, with he that really next game, off. exactly. But he hasn't he hasn't done anything since. I, I mean, you get him in the open field that year, and he'd go by guys and and run, make long gains. You get him in the open field last year against Tennessee. And he went right by that guy who tried to tackle him in the open field. And he's just not doing that anymore. Let's, let's go ahead and get back onto Pittsburgh. They have a guy, Quadri Henderson, another another Quadri, who's kind of a, a do-it-all guy. He's a punt returner, kick returner. He plays some receiver. I think they get him the ball and some jet sweeps and stuff like that. Um, Will, and knowing how these kind of explosive guys can make these big plays, knowing Tech's propensity to give up big plays, are you expecting Mr. Henderson to have a kind of a decent game? Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I don't um, think it would surprise anybody. It wouldn't surprise me to see uh, Darren Hall. You know, Darren Hall has something like 780 yards rushing and eight touchdowns in his last – no, not 780. Four, think, 480. It's Because he only has 250, five – 254 plus 120. Yeah, so Basically four, 480 nine, rushing. Like 90% eight, of his rushing yards have come over the last three weeks. And eight touchdowns in the last three games. Um, so uh, – and isn't there quarterback – didn't he run some against Carolina? You know, he did. He only had 41 rushing yards on the year before the Carolina game, but he rushed for 88, maybe, 84 yeah. against Carolina. They so. they have enough weapons on offense and, and enough various ways they can hit you. They don't strike me as a team that can go deep, but I think they can do everything else. I think the Henderson kid can do jet sweeps. And isn't, isn't he their slot guy? He's yeah. their slot yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah so. he's, he's not involved in the in the passing game very much. He, he, he has more carries and uh, – excuse me, he has more catches and receiving yards that – I'm getting that all wrong. He has more <laughs> carries and rushing yards this year than he does catches and receiving right. yards, even though he's a slot receiver. So, you know, e- even though their offensive coordinator moved on to, to LSU. Matt Canada. Matt, Matt yeah. Canada. That they've still kept that Matt Canada jet sweep style play in their offense. And that was something Justin Fuente said on Monday was that, you know, even though Canada's gone, it's basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. Nothing's really changed with Pittsburgh in terms of what they run. Uh, Chris, how um, – is Ben DiNucci a big drop off from a Nate Peterman or even Max Brown earlier in well, the year, who's obviously out for the season? I don't, now. I don't know much about Max Brown. I didn't have a chance to see Pitt play early in the year, and I, honestly, I've only seen DiNucci. For play those who once. don't know, who Max Brown was he was a USC transfer, right. and then goes to Pittsburgh, and then obviously was hurt. For, didn't didn't do a ton in the season anyway, uh, but then is out for the season. I think it's fair to say that he's a huge drop off from Nate Peterman. I mean, Nate Peterman's going to be the starting quarterback for the Buffalo Bills this week, and as Virginia Tech fans, we can debate that question all day long. But but uh, the fact of the matter is, Peterman's a starting quarterback in the NFL right now, and 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 this guy, this new guy, Danucci, was second string at the start of this season. So yeah, it's a big drop off at quarterback. He's only completing. 56% of his passes, four touchdowns, four interceptions. Has only thrown for 200 yards once, and that was against Oklahoma State, a game Oklahoma State won by, what, 38 points? And they, and they were leading by almost 50 at one exactly. point. Exactly. So Pitt was in throw mode then, and so he, I think he threw for 
230 yards or something in that game. So they're very, very limited at quarterback and in the passing game. I would expect them to have a conservative game plan against Virginia Tech. I think I, th- I think it'll be a smart game plan. I think so, uh, too. I think, I think they'll pick out the weak points, in the weak points in the Tech defense and go after it. I'll say this. If either team gets up by two scores, the other team is, is in a lot of trouble. Man, yeah, I think that's Yeah, fair. that's pretty fair. Um, we'll obviously – well, we saw this last year, and kind of this has been Narduzzi's mo. Um, they love to play tight press man coverage. Uh, you know, putting guys on an island one on one. They're very physical. They're very handsy in terms of their coverage. We saw that last year um, against this receiving core, Virginia Tech's receivers. We know they've struggled to get separation. Is there anything Justin Fuente can do to get around that? Yeah, run some of those rub routes, some of those uh, pick plays. Yeah, um, work the. Uh, Work the tight ends in. I don't know how effective Trayvon out of the backfield could be against the type of defense that Pitt runs. But I Trayvon said on Tuesday night that he can outrun any linebacker in the country. And I don't know about that, but he well, can, he mean, can outrun most of them. Well, he, he, he I think he was saying in the context of being a receiver right. coming out of the backfield, mm-hmm. catching a guy flat footed. Sure. If you if you catch him, he's gone. Sure. And, and, and we saw that against Georgia Tech. He went out of the on the wheel to, route and. It made that good play. Yeah, yeah. To, to Trayvon's credit, you know he's he's made some plays in the passing game the last couple of weeks. Juked a guy in the open field last week. Made one of his freshman plays. He was a dude in the open field for the yeah. first time in a long time. But that, that's not not happening enough on a consistent basis. But you know when you've got wide receivers that are struggling to get separation, you know you've you've got to try to find some some other options there. Well, the, another thing that can be effective is a well-run screen play. Um, depending upon how many guys Pitt sends. If they're playing man coverage and the defensive backs aren't looking, and you know, you guys have heard me say this and you've seen me write it. Tech has had some screen plays this year that have been set up very well. Yeah, they just haven't done anything with them. Um, you know, maybe this is the game finally where, in addition to getting it set up really well, they execute it and they get a big gain out of mm-hmm. it. Let's go ahead and move on to the over/under section, Chris. Your strategy these last couple of weeks is to been pick opposite will to be contrary to, to well not just that so he can make up in the standings no way i'm gonna win because if so, i don't so chris and i were both eight and six heading into last week will was at 11 and three sitting there in his throne um and so the first over runner was number of completions for taquan marshall set that at four and a half he had two now granted wait, 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 he had two we all for go two under touch- on that yeah yes yeah. yeah we all went under but he had two for two touchdowns yeah. <laughs> so 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 we all got a point there uh, and then it was number of possessions for Virginia Tech at 12 and a half. I couldn't have set this at a better number. Will, you, you helped me set this. We set it at 12 and a half, and Tech had 12. Uh, Chris rightly took the under. Will and I both took the over. Chris gets uh, Chris goes 2 and 0. Oh. Uh, Will and myself go 1 and 1. That's, so. that's the luck of the draw, man. If Virginia Tech had just fallen on one of those yeah. fumbles, really? I would have lost. So Will is now 12 and 4. Uh, Chris, you are 10 and 6, and I am 9 and 7. So we'll move on to this week, and the first one I want to hit on is number of carries for A.J. Bush. We saw A.J. Bush get worked in a little last week. We know Josh Jackson is a little hurt. A.J. Bush had four carries last week. So I'm going to set the over-under at five and a half carries for A.J. Bush. Will, you are still in the lead, so you have to go first. Hmm. Um, so the, the reason we're told that A.J. Bush got carries last week was that Josh um, – could barely run. Uh, so, you know, they ran him late in the game. And, and, Did, and that's probably part of it. The other part of it's probably that they just need a spark. So how healthy is Josh? And if they want to run the football, are they going to run Josh or are they going to bring Bush in? That's a question. Um, beyond just that, if they've been practicing A.J. more, 
and planning on doing more things to try to get some variation in the offense. I'm going to go I'm – gonna, I'm going to take the risky pick and go over. I think that's risky. I'm going to go over. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm kind of divided. I, I'm going to go under uh, just because you went over. But uh, <laughs> I think uh, when you look at A.J. Bush – you uh you sit here and you look at a guy who's incredibly athletic, but they don't trust him in the passing game. It's obvious and, that they don't. Right, and because if they did, guess what? He'd be starting right now because Jackson not only did he have an injured leg, he's got an injured arm too. Um, and he says he's feeling better this week. I don't know. We'll see. But basically, what we heard is he took fewer than half the first team snaps last week in practice heading up to the George Tech game because he was so hurt he couldn't practice, particularly earlier in the week. So. He wasn't as prepared to play that game mentally or physically. But the fact that Bush, even though he took most of the first-team snaps, still didn't start shows that he's very limited in the passing game and they don't trust him in the passing game at all. So they're in a situation where if they bring Bush in the game, they're, they, don't want to, they don't want him to throw the ball. And I think opposing defensive coordinators know that. If Josh Jackson is in the game, he's so banged up, they don't want him to run the ball, and I think defensive coordinators know that. So in a, in that situation, I think they're in a tough spot right now because if when Jackson's in the game, you know he's probably not going to run it. When Bush is in the game, you know he's probably not going to pass it. So Virginia Tech's very easy to scheme against right now. I have a feeling that Josh Jackson uh, is a little more banged up than he's letting on. He said this mm-hmm. week that he's feeling he's feeling pretty well, that he's not dealing with any issues. Um, I I would not be surprised if uh, Josh were to go out for a little bit in this game. Uh, Pitt's a very physical defense. I think they're going to send the heat. I think they're going to they're going to put those guys in one on one coverage on the outside. And I think we might see Bush for a little bit of extended period of time in this game. And this does not include sacks. Uh, so if 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 yeah. they wind up in a disaster situation where Bush has to pass the ball, I don't want to use the word disaster. Well, see, here's That's the thing. Uh, okay, okay. It, well, 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 hold on. I, I want to say this. I've been clamoring to to have some sort of bush package, mm-hmm. especially in the red zone, because I think it be, it could be very efficient there. That only works if you are willing to throw the ball. If you are not willing to throw the ball with AJ Bush, don't do it. Right. Because because like you mentioned, Chris, if AJ Bush is in the game, opposing defenses are not going to worry about the the pass. Right. Here, here's one. For They're going to put eleven in the box and make you make you run. Uh, Virginia Tech gets down in the red zone. They play Bush some in the red zone. They run the ball with him later in the game. They bring him in, and he throws back across the field to the tight end. I'm not saying they should do that. I'm saying don't be surprised if you see something like that. 2015 Ohio State, Scott Leffler running that back screen to Ryan Malik. Yeah, that's with his regular quarterback. Yeah. Um, so it's a risky play to run it with a guy who doesn't throw much. Yeah. And let's Chris, put, go ahead. Let's put an asterisk on this because, you know, what if Jackson gets knocked out of the game? Yeah, or if Jackson, they're so banged up that they just decided A.J. Bush is their quarterback this week. Well, of course, in that situation, he's going to go for over four and a half carries. So we need to put an asterisk on this and say if he, it'll depend on the number of snaps he gets, right? Well, if, if, if Jackson plays start to finish, right, right. how many right. carries will yeah. Bush get? Yeah. Okay, okay, fair enough. I will go ahead and put a, a mark next to that one. The next one I want to do is kind of dependent on that a little bit. It's number of passing yards for Josh Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um Josh Jackson has hit the 200-yard mark once in his last four games. He had 132 versus North Carolina, 200 versus Duke, 197 versus Miami, and 153 versus Georgia Tech. I can't remember the exact average, but it's around 179, something along those lines. 
Uh, so I'm going to set the over-under 200 yards against this pit defense, which isn't particularly great. So, I mean, th- th- there is some opportunities here, but we all know that Pitt's defensive scheme could give them some problems. So, Will, over-under 200 passing yards for Josh Jackson. I am going to take what I consider to be a little bit of a – well, you know, neither one's risky. I'm going over. <laughs> I'm going over. You're going over. Yeah, it's not supposed to rain Saturday. The forecast It's supposed to be better. beautiful weather. Yeah. It's going to uh, be in the 50s. 50s. It's going to be sunny. It's gonna be great. I was. Uh, They're gonna get those H backs and tight ends going. They're gonna get Trayvon going out of the backfield, and it's gonna be over two hundred. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I was actually leaning, leaning towards the under anyway, so I'm glad you picked over, so I can I can go ahead and go with my gut and, and say under. You know, I just look at last week and and Virginia Tech. What was it? 159 passing yards? Did you say, Ricky? And what 30 some of those? 153. Came, 153. And what 30 of those came up on one lucky jump man yeah the, the, the lucky it, it wasn't ball. even a jump ball it, it was it was, it was tipped it, it and was then tipped. it just fell into kuma's hands so you're talking really about 120 passing yards for virginia tech yeah but remember limited number of possessions limited number of possessions you're right uh but 120 i i just I, that's low I, I look at the struggles that virginia tech is having right now i consider the fact that jackson is banged up i consider the fact that you know, the limitations that Tech's receivers had, the fact that Cam Phillips doesn't look 100%. And I, I I wouldn't bet on this if I was in Vegas either way, but I think the safer bet is to go under. I think the under is a smart bet here too. Sorry, Will. Uh, I think that it's just not likely that Josh, Josh Jackson is going to get this, especially if I also happen to think A.J. Bush is going to get more than five and a half carries in this game. Um, but – Knowing that, knowing how bad I have been in the over-unders this year, Josh Jackson will probably pop off for 300 yards and a couple touchdowns <laughs> I'll in this take game. It. And Tech will win gladly. Uh, so we'll go ahead and move on to the predictions this point as we wrap everything up. Will, go ahead and give us your prediction and how you see this game playing out. I don't remember what I picked. 27-20? <laughs> no, you didn't you know? pick, you picked 12. Did you pick 27? 24-20? Okay. I'll oh. pick, pick 24-20. I don't know where that 24 is. So, so, so I both of you guys are picking Tech points. to win. Yeah. yeah, I don't know where yeah. it's going to come from. I don't. But. I don't know where my twenty points are going to twenty four <laughs> points are going to come from because I just sat here and picked the under on two hundred passing yards, right? And I've already said I don't think Tech can run the ball. So how the heck are they going to score twenty four points? I haven't I scored twenty eight. I, I don't. I don't. Right. I don't know where that twenty four points are going to come from. I really don't think they're going to score twenty four points. Really, I just, I just. That's just what I picked. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's. I think it's in a tough spot. I probably would. You like to amend your prediction? Uh, you can amend it here on the podcast. So Chris, Chris said twenty four twenty, and I said twenty seven twenty, and I said twenty eight seventeen. Yeah. I think we're all reaching. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, but you don't want to be Debbie Downer in your game preview. No, I mean, Downer, I don't, see, they're the better. Thing. Tech is better than Pitt, but the, they're a better team than Pitt. But they're also they're not so good that the matchups don't matter, yeah, right? Right. The yeah. matchups aren't right, good in this right. game because Absolutely. of Pitt plays tech, but of how Pitt plays wide receivers. Now, personally, I would change offensive tackles. Or Tech's not going to be able to run the ball against anybody this so year. So put Tyrell Smith in. So so put your tackles in that can pass block the best. You know, don't leave your injured quarterback a sitting duck on drop back situations like he was last week against Georgia Tech, like he was the week before against Miami. I mean, you know, we've seen Oster, Osterlo exposed. I like Parker. I think he's a pretty good offensive lineman, but he shouldn't be playing left tackle. He should yeah. be playing right guard or something like that. Um, and, you know, Chung's gotten abused more the last couple of weeks than he was earlier in the season. And, you know, I think in a, they're in a situation where they can't run the ball. So you can't, no matter which lineman they put in the game, 
And and so, I mean, I think you've got to start throwing it more, which you don't want to do because your quarterback's banged up and, and your receivers are limited. But to but I really think you have 0% chance of success of, of, of running the football. So I think you got to put your in your best pass-blocking offensive lineman and just start throwing the football around the yard. And, and you know, you still you, you try to uh, you try to avoid interceptions and things like that but uh, and play it safe to a certain extent. But, you know, I don't think you're going to put up any points or a lot of points, you know, trying to stick to a running game in my opinion i am banking on a defensive or special teams touchdown yet again oh, no, uh, I, I know i know you said i'm not supposed to do that but Stroman, Stroman. it would not shock me at all if we see another fumble of another sack fumble here of ben Danucci. right and it would not shock me at all if we see another interception thrown by ben Danucci that gets turned back uh but that's all the time we have for this podcast remember if you have not uh read chris coleman's game preview for virginia tech pit go read that now also um the game will be 12:20 kickoff on the ACC network. You can go find the affiliates list, I believe, on our website on TSL. It's all, it's all. Yeah, there for it's you. at the uh, at the top of the message board. So go to either a football board or the subscriber board, and you'll see an affiliate list Definitely. link up in the game info center. And then also after the game, of course, we'll have plenty of photos, quotes, notes, all that good stuff. The game recap will be done as well, and then we'll be back next week to talk about how this game turned out. And then prepare for UVA, which might be a little interesting this year. So for all the, that's all the time we have for this one. For Will Stewart, for Chris Coleman, I'm Rick the Blue. Thanks for listening.